0: We call it Epcot, it will be our
2: experimental motorbike city of
1: tomorrow. Welcome
2: to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast, taking you back to the vacation kingdom of the world, the way it was and the way it is
0: in your memories. All right, welcome to another episode of the Retro Disney World Podcast. Uh, this episode is number 46, Snow White's Scary Adventure. We'll be taking you back to that dark ride that was nestled into Fantasyland up until 2012. I'm your host, Todd McCartney, and sitting in with me as always tonight is Mr. How Bowers, who is the writer, producer, director, all the above of this week's, or this month's episode.
3: I have staged 50 musical comedies, and I'll stage 50 more. Look at that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, nice to be here tonight. And Coming in from Ohio, Mr. J.T. Couser. How are you doing tonight, J.T.? Doing good in the Rubber City. We're uh,
1: 20 degrees-ish, holdings firm there, heating bills are rising, but we're doing good.
0: Excellent. You attempted to get into the, uh, whatever it is, the Enormo Dome or wherever the, the blimp lives with your donation, <laughs> and you, you aborted that mission to see well, the Goodyear blimp up close. To to uh, uh, There's the original air dock where they built
1: them in World War II, and then in... Uh, by uh gosh i forget the city now but there's the current place where they store the blimp they have a Mm -hmm. promotion with toys for tots which i always tell people hey you know disney connection there with the logo and that whole thing that's right um you drive you would go take your car you donate the toy and you get to drive through the hangar and santa's sitting there by the blimp it's all inflated after 1.5 hours in dead stop (laughs) slow moving traffic we pulled the plug and left. My daughter had to use the bathroom. It was just a nightmare. So we didn't make it this year and I still
0: have the toy in my house that we were going <laughs> to donate. So um so, so next year hook the whole entire family up with the stadium pal uh yes. self, self-contained bathroom unit and you just, you know, pack some hamburgers and picnics and to be all set to it was
1: so sad in. all my daughter wanted to do was go bowling and it was our first night away from the baby as bad as that sounds but you know we wanted one of those like you know the original family and that's we right sat in this traffic for two hours <laughs> <laughs> she goes, are we going bowling still like i guess <laughs> so that was our one of our winter adventures but yes we are we uh, we're holding
0: strong here in ohio through the blizzards and the storms nice. so yeah we did a little tubing here so oh i saw but, that yeah yeah we had a good time so Well, Brian, we got to talk about your winter activities. Coming in all the way from the city of brotherly love, a season ticket holder to the, uh, is it the Phantoms, I believe? The Lehigh Valley Phantoms. The Lehigh Valley Phantoms is Mr. Brian P. Miles tonight.
2: Greetings, salutations, and Happy New Year from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love.
0: That's right. This is our first episode in 2019, officially. Yeah, since we counted it down. Yeah. Brian, I thought of you the other day. They had a Rocky
1: marathon on. I watched parts one and five, and badly, it's a horrible change of pace, one to five. It,
2: it's, uh, f- five is probably the weakest of the bunch. But, uh, <laughs> but they make up for it with six, which is, I think, Rocky Balboa, which was a really strong return after... 20 years or whatever it was
1: yes and i did hear a philadelphia reference because their football's still going on right this that's still happening Football oh no no, no, no that ended that ended the other day but oh yes. okay well it they said that. they were going to grease the poles in philadelphia with uh, gino's steak
0: grease is that the what it so the <laughs> I'll, fans I'll don't take climb the poles things.
2: yeah that's <laughs> Gino's <laughs>
0: hamburgers too. Oh, I haven't had one of those. Gino's I had to hamburgers laugh. are long gone. Long time. Well, yeah.
2: well they're back, but they came not back me. and then they, ah. then they, yeah. they failed again. But uh, I did have a little jaunt up uh, a whirlwind since you mentioned my hockey team. Uh, we followed yep. them on a three-day road trip through New England. So nice. just to tell you where we touched upon, we flew up to Boston and drove to Providence where we saw them play the Providence Bruins and then after a swing through Newport the next morning and toward the uh, breakers we went to Hartford Connecticut to see them play the Hartford Wolfpack in the old is Hart- that the old lo- is oh, at the old it is at whalers. the old civic arena where the whalers yeah. played uh, and it looks like a an arena out of the 1970s mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then the last day uh, Sunday afternoon we stopped and saw them play an afternoon game in Springfield Massachusetts the Springfield Thunderbirds which mm-hmm. is only about 30 minutes north of uh, of Hartford. Uh, yeah. I will say the fans in Providence were the nicest, The because we were wearing our Phantoms garb. The fans in Hartford were the next nicest and fairly nice. Uh, and the fans in Springfield were kind of not nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, to the point where I had a... Well, there were two great interactions. Uh, one was a guy, as we're walking the concourse between periods, says why don't you go back to Philadelphia? And I laughed at him and said, they don't play in Philadelphia. They play in Allentown. <laughs> at which point he started laughing at himself. And then the, uh, the other was a collection of kids who were shouting profanities at us as we walked mm. around. And I kind of wished I had principal Couser there to bring some yeah. order to the situation. This-
1: Right. You know, you yes. don't know what
2: to do when there's like a 10-year-old cursing right. at you because my instinct is to curse back. Uh, yeah, and then you want to be the adult. adult you know? <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm not that wedded to being an adult. Uh, I mean, there might have been some words exchanged, but I, I feel like I got the better of them.
1: Good thing you didn't go to a game in Jersey. Boy, oh, boy. Oh, boy. It would have been, yeah.
0: I've- so, you know, we we have uh, JT sitting out in the cold with the Toys for Tots. Uh, Brian, you, you did your New England hockey tour. Uh, I went tubing. All winter? How? Anything winter-wise? Did he you just come out of the house? He went to the beach. yeah, go to the beach, seashells.
3: Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh,
0: he put no, on a long sleeve no, t-shirt, t-shirt, t-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah, for yeah, memories, yeah he, it's a little little chilly. <laughs> Nothing.
3: Okay. No, we didn't do anything. We just. Well, you just come visit one of and... us.
0: We'll we'll get you all of you into some winter winter events.
3: So. Yeah. Sorry that <clears laughs> that just turned so uninteresting. <laughs> I feel, I feel like having lived yeah. up north.
2: If I lived in Florida, I would feel obligated like once a week during the winter just to go out and like take pictures of myself on the beach or or eat yeah. like a soft serve cone in a short sleeve shirt like hey everybody up there how you doing. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's just business as usual for him. That's the thing. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like a, like in summer we get excited, we do all these things. Winter we don't, but we still do winter things. How's just living the norm. He's just He just does
0: summer things year round. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, it's,
3: it's just norm. I'm like, yeah. I want to say I did send out a picture because we were at a, an outdoor restaurant with. I like recall sand that picture on Christmas, and the kids, the yeah. kids were just playing. We, but, yeah, we got the mail. Yeah, fortunately we had a we had a very yeah we had a very temperate Christmas week. Go. So uh, good, it so was all nice. All the Bowers children
2: seemed uh, seemed pleased with their gifts. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, they were. Well, to and all Lili- our listeners, and wait, 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 we we can't we can't move on without <laughs> mentioning Lily's hot dog maker. She that, got the hot right. dog
1: maker. Uh, Santa brought that. Yeah, we had hot dogs for breakfast on Christmas morning. <laughs> Look at that. Um, Look it's at basically that. a a. Uh, everybody asked it. They assumed it was the you know gas station roller style oh. like. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I I'm not putting that in my kitchen. It was basically. Did you get the
0: steamer one? You know the. the no, it's the hot, basically it's, it, a toaster, it's a toaster, right? Yeah, yeah with toaster. with
1: two slots for for two round holes for the hot dogs, and then two oval shaped holes for the buns. Mm-hmm. And you drop it in, and it toasts them, and that's it. It comes up, and you you have two hot dogs and toasted buns instantly. JT, so. So that, just
0: so wait until get... she learns how to cook sauerkraut. You are gonna yeah. have a feast every week. But oh yeah.
2: Until, so we don't get too deep into the weeds. I gotta say. I much prefer a steamed hot dog bun to
0: a toasted one. Uh, Oh man, that's that's. I could go both ways.
1: I'm just, yeah. If you're grilling outside,
0: you you gotta you gotta put the buns on the on the grill.
1: Yeah, it's it's whatever. It's a hot dog on Christmas morning. It was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it was a little celebratory colors though with the with the green relish and the red ketchup, right? You know. Yes. Uh huh. (laughs) So, oh man. All righty, well, uh, thanks to uh, – <clears throat> well, I hope all of our listeners had a great holiday season and uh, having a wonderful new year here in 2019. So we're going to move right into some of our corrections and comments. Uh, do you guys remember Paul Zimmerman f- uh, from last month? He was our big prize pot Oh, winner, he was. So yeah, Paul. Yeah. Hey, Paul. Yeah. So Paul rode in, and he, he was excited, and, and uh, he, he knows all the stuff is on the way to him. Uh, and the reason that he wrote into us was that he, he, you know, he, he heard us talk about Birnbaum's guide. I've referenced a number of times and we said, Hey, there, it's a lot of great stuff in there if you pick it up. And he just did that. He went and bought a couple of them. He says got 84, 91, 95, 03 and 10, uh, and the newest one. So he's got some comparison work to do. But he says uh, I've never seen so much in-depth information on everything Disney. It's awesome to see the descriptions of rides, restaurants, hotels, even the current going rates for them, and theme park tickets in each in each uh, edition. So uh, there you go, take it from the horse's mouth right there. There's a satisfied customer out there who went out and found some old Bomb books. Uh, 86 is my personal favorite edition that I had because that's the one that I think the cover is barely hanging on. I read that thing over and over many times and that's the one i still reference to this day so i'm surprised how how pricey they go
1: for being i don't know I've, mm. I've i figured it'd be like a quarter a dollar like they're they're, <laughs> they're i mean they're yep. useless
0: but they're not you know what i mean right they're not but yeah they yeah. still hold some value they certainly do so check them out if you can find some um, we have an- another uh, right in here. Uh, this is uh, Mike had some comments for you, Hal, yes. actually, mm-hmm. on uh, Pleasure Island. Yeah, we, we mentioned Pleasure Island. So he says, uh, Reedy Creek does connect to the Kissimmee River down at Lake Cypress. So <laughs> Mr. Pleasure would have had a rough time navigating parts of it north to Lake Russell. It's never not funny. <laughs> That's right. So, um and he also did mention too, as far as pleasure island was as a nighttime, you know, as a nighttime destination. Um, it was also I don't know if we mentioned this countering Church Street Station right in downtown Orlando. Uh, yes, that was. I think I can't remember. You know, I read the letter and I couldn't remember how much detail we went into it. Yeah,
3: but but yeah, there was definitely you know. That it was Disney reaction to like, holy crap, they're making a lot of money down there. We, yep. need
0: to, we need to make a lot of money. Yeah, Bob Snow was the developer and really got the nighttime entertainment marketing going down there. And they said that there were endless lines of, of buses that bought visitors from hotels. In, 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 and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, Disney being Disney basically saw the revenue leaving their, uh, their property and wanted to capitalize on that. Um, so, uh, that was, it was pretty neat. And I guess he sold, uh, that was out to to Baltimore Gas in 1989. Um, did that have anything to do with the power station that was in Baltimore as an attraction? (laughs) I
3: don't, you know what? I'm not sure because...
0: You know what I'm uh, talking about, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, I was actually doing some research on this. Uh, I don't know if it was part of the show otherwise, but I didn't realize... The Baltimore Gas Connection. I know he had sold out half of his shares for starters, and then he ended up selling the other half and divesting himself completely, like, right before everything started to tank. So he he did very well for himself. Oh, but then I think he actually took that money and tried to roll it into, like, another development in uh, Las, Vegas. Las Vegas,
2: wasn't it? Yeah. It was- oh, okay. Yeah,
3: which didn't go over. And he had actually done this once before in... Um, Oh, it's a place in North Florida. There's another, still a Rosie O'Grady's uh, in like Pensacola or someplace. And he started that up, uh, fixed up an old place and, and then took the money from that and started up Orlando and then took all that money. He's supposed to go out and do the Vegas thing. All right. All right. I think the Vegas thing didn't happen.
2: I feel a and sense of accomplishment when I get a storm door hung, and this guy's out here building this stuff all over the place.
0: <laughs> oh man! I just did look up the power plant in in Baltimore. That was actually Six Flags. So, yeah. um, oh okay, that's okay. not our our uh, you know something we would take on. But that has an interesting story to it. And um, uh, Walt Disney uh, Imagineer Gary Goddard actually with his company Landmark Entertainment, where did and led the project on that. So if you want some interesting. Uh, Read up on that. That's a, a failed attraction that only lasted about five years uh, in Baltimore's Inner Harbor. The, so. uh, yeah, lots of lots of famous Disney yeah. engineers. Mark Davis did stuff, yeah. and there's a ton. The, of The
2: uh, dark side of Disney guy Leonard Kinsey uh, grew up around there, so he has at times gone on like tweet storms about the mm. power pl- the power plant, and. How cool it was and and uh, it formed his part of his love for theme parks and so it's I, I'm always interested when he or someone else on Twitter engages people who had anything to do with it and I'm just like boy it sounds like it would have been a neat place to go
0: yeah yeah I remember seeing I was in Baltimore in 1985 uh, or summer 86 somewhere in there and I remember seeing it we did not go in but it did look Really cool, very steampunk-like uh, a little bit, and um, it's kind of a retro. Kind of reminds me a little bit of what the Edison is now, too, So, mm-hmm. but uh, excellent. Well, thank you, Mike, for writing in for that, and uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to JT for the listener mailbag.
1: Sounds good. Well, uh, pretty good mailbag this uh, month. First one I have here is from Megan. She says, hi guys, every time I ride the people mover, there's a section that I can't figure out. When you're in the tunnel, just passing the Buzz light you ride, on the left-hand side, it looks as if at one point it was a window overlooking something. I can't figure out
3: what it is or what it once was, if anything, do you guys know anything about that? Thank you. Um, so in the olden days when that attraction was if you had wings, there were three windows that would look down into the attraction. So the first one on your right would look down over the um, Caribbean section. The second window, which I think is open today, you can see part of Buzz Lightyear, was the uh, Mexico area. And then the third one, which is the window on the left-hand side, looked down and you could see um, like New Orleans and the street there. Um, When it became take flight... They put a huge backlit Duratrans on the first window, so you couldn't look down into there at all. And then uh, the second window, you could look down and see um, the like the barnyard, not the barnyard, but like the barnstorming area. Mm-hmm. And then that third window, you could kind of look down and see like Paris and the um, a little bit of the area where it transitions with the jet engine. Uh, And then once it became Buzz Lightyear, they covered up that window because there's really nothing
0: special to look at in that one spot. How I knew you would come to the rescue on this one, I was uh, not not doubting you in any way on this. (laughs) Just so you know. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Megan. Appreciate that.
1: So next up, we have a tweet, and super interesting. Uh, It's from Burn Bombs, and it's entitled, it's a little blurb called Plant Sitting. And I'll just kind of read it word for word. Plants do not fare well in the heat of a closed-up car for a day. Those who have purchased greenery at Disney Village Marketplace or brought a favorite fern from home (laughs) will be grateful to know that their horticulture wonders can be accommodated at the kennels at Fort Wilderness, Epcot Center, the TTC, or the Disney
0: MGM Studios theme park. There's no charge. Just <laughs> the thought that you bought greenery and <laughs> you have it and you somehow decide to go to Epcot after purchasing the greenery or the studios. Or anywhere. you know you Anywhere. Just- I mean, all these places where you could drop off your fern. Um,
3: these are my ferns. Oh. I put googly eyes on them also most people don't put googly eyes on their ferns i do i got the idea off my cactuses because i like to feel comfortable
0: around all my plants it's 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 quite a service that i i I actually want to inquire about it now i want to can we put a feeler out yeah can you buy flowers or what about like the bonsai trees if we bought a bonsai tree That's more the Japanese place, right? That's okay. I'm just saying it's greenery, right? And then we'll take it over to the Magic Kingdom, and we'll see if they'll plant-sit it for us. Or take it over... Actually, better yet, we'll take it over to Best Friends Pets Resort and see if they will... um,
1: Take this blurb with you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Just say it's available. So... Also, a shout out to the Twitter name there, Excess Technician Lauren. So I'm curious to know how Excess Tech is going these days. They've since departed from the magazine. She's,
1: she's at Ink and Paint Department.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. that's our PT. friend.
2: That's our friend Lauren. I uh, she lives over in New Jersey. Big fan oh, of right. Big fan of oh, the, you the said podcast. New Jersey. It, loyal, loyal f- I, it is New Jersey. She's from <laughs> New Jersey.
0: Then we must mention pork roll
2: we must uh, in fact i uh, we had lunch uh, she was part of a group that had lunch uh, last year At uh, i think last summer we all had lunch and i don't think anybody ordered pork roll at the table though
1: oh okay now what's interesting about this is the brought from home because if you live where how lives roughly two hours away i feel like you can spend the day without your fern because you could be back that night but if you're driving some distance I still find it amazing. You need to bring your fern with you. Like I just well,
0: at JT. My family always travels with their fav- with their favorite, you know, you know, cacti and nightshade plants. So well, you when know.
1: you're in the you're in the Gold Key plan, they will pl- replant it for you in See, your room is, in the this floor. Is,
2: <laughs> this is again where the Japanese you, you they, they they show their superior planning because they developed the bonsai tree, so that yeah. it takes up less space in your luggage or oh, your travel. Plus, there we you know. go. So you still get the greenery. But
1: you don't. So, have to. I I would like a uh I, I would like a video walk up to each location listed and see just the cast members face on video. Hey, I got a plant here. Would you mind watching this? Burn <laughs> bomb said you would do it. <laughs> just like it's, those That's those right. places
0: are gonna just look at you like, what is wrong yeah. with you? Well, we'll add that to our list of things to do as well with the the postcard race. So yes, I but, love uh, the postcard race. Thanks for writing in, Lauren. All right, well.
1: Next one. I got a long one here. This is from Dave. Kind of go through here, paraphrase. Uh, He says, hello, everyone at Retro WDW. I have only just discovered your website and podcast. I've got a lot of catching up to do. You sure do, Dave. Where have you been? Welcome to the party. (laughs) Um, I'm hoping you can help me. I'm looking for anything to do with the contemporary resort arcade of the early 80s. It may have been called the Fiesta Fun Center and later called the Food and Fun Center. It was in the vast and magical arcade, probably 1981, that I saw. A Pac-Man machine in person for the first time. And there were rows, I assume rows, of Pac-Man machines. Uh, He goes on to talk about some more games. But I had the sense that every arcade game ever invented was there. And not just one of each, but three and fours of each. To the 11 and 12 year old pinball and arcade games obsessed kid, it was an absolute dream. Okay, so now I'm trying to better piece together that room. Does anyone remember anything about it? Specific game titles, what the carpet looked like. I think Hal might know about that. How high the ceilings were, if there was music in the room. <laughs> was it quarters or tokens? Anything. Me and my kid mum- brother who remembers even less would be super grateful. So the Fiesta Fun Center. We'll, we'll give it the, the, the short version right now, right?
3: Well, I it was one of the most amazing arcades ever. I have to agree, hundred percent, and it, it deserves its own episode. So I think we would be better to not go into a lot of detail and say that we will we will cover Fiesta Fun Center in great detail because it had besides like fantastic games, it had a tiny like one lane bowling alley and a movie theater, great shooting a movie theater and a shooting gallery, and all kinds of incredible stuff. So. Now can I future,
1: can I ask when when I saw it in the mid 90s was it a shell of its former self or was it still I mean I remember being very blown away but like do you guys think it was like pe- down a peg or something or was it still pretty cool then
3: No I think it was probably pretty good okay. I mean I was curious I don't I don't remember it changing an awful lot Yeah I uh and they brought in the latest games I mean that's that's the thing so I mean I I remember very distinctly skipping school uh (laughs) college one day and going up to the contemporary with some schoolmates, and it was amazing because they still had all the games so this would have been like 87 or 88 and they still had tons of games from the late 70s and early 80s stuff that i hadn't seen in forever like tail gunner and all all kinds of like vector games and and things and and crap loads of them like you said it was just like row after row after row if you reproduced that arcade today, people would flip out.
1: It would be in the way, the size of the wave,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's
0: I mean, that's a that's a good size space, for sure.
1: Well, uh, Dave, stay tuned. We'll we'll let you get caught up in the meantime, and then we will have a at least full or, or half episode on the Fiesta Fun Center. I'm sure a big chunk. So thanks, Dave, and enjoy your your listening. Alrighty, next up, hi, Retro WDW crew, and now the LBVHS crew. Just wanted to send my congrats to you all. Lots of hard work is paying off, and I believe you're on the best path to historically preserving as much of WDW's history as possible, even the stuff Disney wants us all to forget. I've been listening to Retro WDW since the first episode was present at Epcot 35 event. Uh, as many of our t-shirts and continues to plan support your efforts any way they can. please keep doing what you're doing. It's great. day uh, uh, I'm sorry I don't have a name on here GWS the second. that's what I have. Do anybody know who that is? George no.
2: Washington yeah. Smith. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
1: right. So he went on to tell us how cool we are and amazing, and he was uh, very kind. My so thank you. Favorite kind of letters. Yeah, GWS. Uh, we will keep up uh, the efforts, and uh, thank you for your support. And since the start, so it's definitely happening because of you. Well, thank you for those kind words, GWS the 2nd. We will keep uh, keep on keeping on. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to uh, touch base and ask us something, podcast at retrowdw.com. That's where you can reach us. We also check tweets, Instagrams, Facebook messages. We're, we're all over the place, so make sure you like us on those as well.
0: All right, well, it's time to get to this month's Audio Rewind. And uh, last month, uh, I, I guess if you were on our lake and lagoon tour you kind of got a hint at this one and i i may have made it a little too difficult because we didn't have a lot of people right in so let's take a listen to last month's audio rewind all right guys uh, what was it who who got it uh, clearly, Pablo Cruz. Yeah, absolutely. It was Pablo <laughs> Cruz. The song was Worlds Away, and, and we played that because uh, not only did we talk about it on the tour, uh, but it was also in a Christmas special uh, that was uh, uh, back in the 70s. So there was two tie-ins there. So it was Pablo Cruz, Worlds Away. Uh, we have a winner it's, this month. It is Jim Collins, and he'll be winning one of our uh, uh, Vacation Kingdom posters that we've put together. So, And we have another one for this month's prize as well. If you know the answer to this audio rewind, all right. So if you know the answer to this month's audio rewind, send your guesses to contest at retrowdw.com. All entries must be received by February twelfth, two thousand nineteen. And how you picked out this month's audio rewind? I'm putting you on the spot because uh, I, I made it too hard last month. So you know, I appreciate you uh, digging through your audio archives to to add this one in.
3: Oh, not a problem. I'll. I think we'll. I think people will. Well, hopefully they'll know this one. Good. Good. We'll see. Excellent. Time will tell.
0: There we go. All right. Well, it's time to turn it back over to How as we get into our main topic. As we mentioned, we're going to talk about Snow White's scary adventure. It was a dark ride in Fantasyland. If you were walked through the castle and came right through it, it would be on your right hand side after you passed the Mad Hatter's shop and came around the corner. Um, my personal recollection from it, guys, was. It was 1981. I was young, and I did not want to go in because of one thing: the word "scary." And i really? yeah, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I, w- my, I remember my mom saying, "Oh no, the only thing scary is, well, is the witch comes up and asks you for the, you know, rah, about the apple and stuff." <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, that was that's my only recollection. I think I did not ride it until maybe five years later in 1986, where. I was uh I was good with it. So older. Okay, yeah. well that's fine. That's fine. So that's
3: did so Brian and J T did you guys ever ride it in any of its forms? I, Man, I, I did before it
1: closed, but it I don't have any young memories of it. Like it's almost like we didn't w I feel like was the line always long in the eighties and nineties?
3: <laughs> the line was always long at everything yeah. in the eighties and nineties. So it was
1: like no fast pass and like no just I we might have. Yeah. I'll have to ask my parents. I don't remember it though. It didn't stick out.
3: I I okay.
2: I enjoyed it a great deal and uh anytime someone brings the ride up
3: I always say it's the
2: it's the wicked queen the, the wicked queen which was my favorite <laughs> audio snippet in it.
3: Uh, cool. Well good. So we're at least we're on some even footing this this cuz everybody seems to mostly know it. So all yeah. right. So I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. So most of the episodes I do these incredibly deep dives and do all this research and uh as it turns out, there are a couple of people online that have done actually super deep analysis of this ride. So rather than be tainted by that stuff and just regurgitate what somebody else said, uh, I didn't look at any of that stuff at all. I have some photos of the ride in front of me. I have some basic dates and numbers, and we're just going to go uh, just kind of wing this and talk about impressions of it and some of the facts and things. But uh, I welcome you. Well, I'll put these in the show notes Um Passport to Dreams, old and new, has a really extensive article about it. Of course, Mike Lee's Wide in Your World uh, has a really nice, in-depth article on it as well. And I, I saw a whole site uh, devoted to it today. Cool. So, so this uh, is like we'll f- the- it's Freeform Friday. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I mean, there's certain there's certainly some some things to talk about, but uh, yeah. So so some of the things that I, I think uh, I want to sort of frame this up against, you know, I, there's this. <laughs> And I don't know if this is a – it's fun to to kind of put it in this way, but, like, I see people constantly talk about, you know, this ride is just, like, so psychedelic and scary and weird, and uh, it's, like, affected whole people's childhoods, and I, I just don't know. I just think maybe that's a little too much, mm. <laughs> and, not, and not that it – not that it it wasn't scary because, I mean, I guess it could be scary. But, I, I mean, I can recall riding this ride. I mean, the first time I rode this was probably 1972. Mm. And, uh, you know, I, I rode it every year and then multiple times a year <clears throat> late, as time went on. I remember as a child being terrified of the Haunted Mansion to the point where I would just, like, grab the back of my dad's shirt and like (laughs) not let go. And I would close my eyes to the entire graveyard and not look at anything. But I like, I just wrote snowmine over and over again. So I'm not sure it's as scary as everyone has made it out to be. But I mean, it certainly was strange and interesting kind of in the same way that Mr. Toad uh, was strange and interesting. Yeah,
0: I was going to reference that. It does have the same undertones to it, and and some, you know, maniacal laughs and sounds and things that that sure, cer- sure. certainly give it a tone. I mean, as I mentioned personally, you know, I, in 1981, I was you know seven years old, didn't want to go on it. Uh, I did go on the haunted mansion then. And I felt that one was actually safer. I don't know why, you know. Um, and, and I remember clearly the word scary in the title, as, as I mentioned. Right, being, right, right. Being that's funny. why I was uh, pulled away from it. You know, as far as people being scarred for life, I I, I, I mean, nothing popped out at you and went to grab you. But it was, uh, like I said, it did have a very dark undertone for yeah. a good portion well, of the Yeah, and,
3: well, and that's the thing of it. So when what i think really where all of this came from is um you know so so this originated at disneyland there was a version that was done by ken anderson uh and when they looked at doing attractions for disneyland they kind of allegedly went and did a bunch of research about uh dark rides that existed sort of in places like coney island and you know um they called these things, uh, I guess at the turn of the century, pretzel rides or ghost trains. So it was basically the same thing. It was like a, a single bus bar, single rail, electrified, and you'd get in a little car and you'd go around. Um, Brian and I got to experience some of these types of rides together at Uh, mm-hmm. uh There's a, a weird like Pennsylvania mine train and a, and a ghost house. Uh, as a kid, uh, we had a place uh in canada by us called crystal beach and they had a laugh in the dark there and and that's a really famous example is the laugh in the dark i think there were several of those in california and in uh some of the places in new york and stuff and it was just you know that kind of a dark ride was was the old traditional dark ride where you got in a car and like there'd be strings hanging down from the ceiling or like (laughs) skeletons would you know Basically, things would be in the dark, and then they would light a light on it, like an incandescent light would turn on, and then you'd see like a skeleton face or something, it would make a noise. And it was to kind of, you know, to jostle you a little bit, but really it was fun more than anything, and it was probably based on that same kind of idea as the uh the tunnel of love to get Mm. like couples to actually get close to each other and Uh, that's because the propriety of the day is that you would never you know have physical contact when you were out on a date so this would kind (laughs) of force you
0: i was gonna mention what the bus bar stuff is too if people are wondering what that is it's so that's the electricity line that ran down the center uh, of of the track and if you've ever been to mall you know a lot of people been to malls you see those choo-choo trains going around the mall uh, look carefully at them. That center line is, is is the bus bar that carries the electricity. So yeah, similar to the monorail, only down there in the center. So
1: so did you mention this was opening day, right? Yeah, this was an and opening then it closed day. Closed what year?
0: Well, here. So we'll
3: go through this because it it actually went through some iterations during the oh, time. Oh,
1: okay, okay. Mm.
3: <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it it actually opened in '71 under the name Snow White's Adventures. And then in 1975, they added the name "scary." They added "scary" to it. See, I would have been fine
0: if I was if I was older. I would have been fine. (laughs) Do you think they did that because of complaints or something? Or Uh, that's
3: that's what everybody says. I mean, that's kind of like the prevailing thought is that it. You know, uh, you. I guess people assumed that because it was a Snow White ride that you'd see princesses and it'd be happy and it wouldn't be scary. And, like, Mr. Toad's wild ride has wild in it. So it's kind of telegraphing oh, yeah. what that does. You know, Peter Pan's flight just had flight, but it was, you know, that was a nice sort of safe-ish ride. Even though... But, I mean, at the time, the guidebooks had, a, like, a two- or three-line description of, of what the ride was. And, in, and the word scary was in the description. So if you actually read the description in your GAF guidebook, like, it, <laughs> it, it was right there. Um, so it shouldn't have been a surprise, but I don't know. Maybe it was. Uh, so then in 1989, they actually took Scary off of it and changed it back to Snow White's Adventures. Oh, they went back. For whatever reason. Huh. And and then it closed in 1994 and had a, a very extensive rehab. They added new scenes, took out a lot of the you know weird, scary stuff, opened it up as Snow White's Adventures... And then in 1998, they added the word "scary" back to, to the name again, and it stayed "scary" until it closed in 2012. That's so, so odd. It's weird how this name thing
1: and, and, went back. And, and, and if force we're, we're in this honest, time. this wasn't like a get people in the door type attraction. This was like to me like a what ticket was this? Like a like a B or this a was C? A C, a C <clears> ticket. <throat> yeah. So yeah, you're like it's not like you're you're got like a full on e ticket. What you know that demands this much change but that's weird
3: yeah it was a, i mean it was a classic attraction and we can talk about why you know the changes you know happened at some point but <clears throat> yeah it was i mean it was a t- to me it was like it was a, it was a dark ride so mm-hmm. if you if you go in if you go into it thinking like okay so like i said this goes back to ken anderson and in and the group that was working on the fantasy land for disneyland They went out and thought like, okay, we're making these little rides. It's like, it's going to be a dark ride, kind of like these dark rides at Coney Island. And what can we do, you know, to follow that pattern? Because they were, I mean, they were inventing the theme park industry in 1955. So they, I think they just went back and looked at what worked in the context of a dark ride and then adapted that to the IP of Snow White. Uh, So it was Ken Anderson who had said, like, the idea was that you were supposed to be Snow White, which is why you never saw her in the ride. You yourself were supposed to be that right. character. I don't know how, you know, if you really analyze the, the Florida version, it can't possibly be true. It's more of a riff on the Snow White story. And we can talk about that. But definitely he was the per. I think they were coming from this more sort of cinematic place where... You know, as the writer, you were kind of like a motion picture camera and you were experiencing things inside of the environment of the film rather than sitting back and watching the story unfold behind you. And, and a lot of the advancements that we see later on with the Haunted Mansion, with the, uh, you know, sort of that shell to limit where you can see is that same idea of trying to take the format of cinema where you have a controlled viewing space and bring that into like a three dimensional ride situation, so that was very heady and verbal. But uh, yeah, I, the the point is that you were—I don't know if you're supposed to be Snow White, but you're certainly supposed to be experiencing the emotions and some of the fear that she would have experienced in that film. And and mm. we tend to think of Snow White as being like, oh, it's a princess film, but like there's some scary stuff in that movie. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, for heaven's sakes. The the wicked queen tells the huntsman to cut her heart out and put it in a box and bring it back to her to prove that she's dead. I mean, this is not, this is not like happy stuff for your three and four year old. This is this is some it, dark stuff. Well, and right, that's
2: so, the nature of pretty much all fairy tales until the modern era. I mean, fairy tales throughout history, the, everything they read to kids and taught it was. Horrifying.
3: Yeah, it was not and then, you know, the the sequence uh, where Snow White's running through the forest and she sees the trees and sort of like she's scared, so then she's hallucinating that like the trees are ominous. You know, that's reproduced in the ride directly. So uh so yeah, I, I think really the the thing is they're trying to do is either they're putting you in the place of Snow White, but they're certainly trying to make you feel the things that she failed in the movie.
0: Yeah.
3: Um But again in, in this sort of like fun house dark ride sort of environment. So it's it's not, it was never like a strict book report version of the ride.
0: Right. So I've got, we spoke of Birnbaum's, I, I grabbed this too, because I wanted to read his description of it in 1986 here. So it says, um, though basically a ride for kids, Snow White's Scary Adventure features two skeletons and plenty of spooky darkness, also the Wicked Witch, evil long nose and practically toothless, appears more than once with which, with such suddenness and menace that some youngsters end up really frightened. Um, so here's, you know, that's Birnbaum's description of it, you know, kind of giving a a, a warning there almost apparent. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going
3: to say he's 100% wrong. Cause, no. I mean, certainly there are some kids I could, you know, if you're frightened easily, it's like, you know, it's probably, probably not the right for you. <laughs> but Claude Coates worked under uh ken anderson uh during the fantasy land stuff and by time it got time to do the florida version uh from what we understand claude Coates was the project show designer for snow white's scary adventures uh claude Coates we're very familiar with um we've you know he's probably one of those very famous imagineers that you actually hear his name a lot Uh, He did Adventures Through Inner Space by himself. He did If You Had Wings. He worked with Mark Davis to do all the backgrounds, basically, in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, And his, you know, Mark Davis's like Haunted Mansion, his big shows like Cod Coats handled the atmospheric sort of uh, the non-character stuff. Um, He was a background painter at Disney. Originally, he actually did background paintings for Snow White, so it was (laughs) sort of a perfect thing for him to do. Um, He also had training in architecture, so uh, it was very natural for him to move in this thing of building the theme spaces that the characters would uh, exist in. So he was in charge of the project in Florida. Um, I think they certainly looked at what was done for Disneyland, but he made some different choices uh, about the the ride layout and how it would work. Um, And it was it was brilliant. It was a really great, weird, scary <laughs> ish. Um, I, I think there's probably a cutoff point for where it becomes scary. Cause there's mm. also some things that are just sort of hokey about it once you hit a certain age, but I think it's either way, it was like a very enjoyable ride for anybody. Yep. Um, and, you know, it, and that's, you know, Birnbaum says it's for kids, but really I think as with all the attractions and the magic kingdom with maybe a couple of exceptions like really it's for families yeah. you know you're trying to you know it's a very broad stroke of like who the attraction is for it yeah it's not like i look at the winnie the pooh attraction that's in toad space now and that seems very designed for a young audience for the most part right. but the fantasy land rides in the 1970s it's like you could be you know four or 90 mm-hmm. it would
0: probably be get some enjoyment out of it yep. um, and it was a very uh the design too was also a great use of space when you look at the overhead um oh yeah i mean everything was so compacted in there and and being able to use the back side of one thing to support uh the front side of or another or vice versa uh, really really done well and you know you got to think that space is, it, it. it's a decent sized space. And now it's, you know, taken up by what, four or five princess rooms or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think it's a, it, it's not huge. So they, they did a lot with the, with that footprint. Yeah. Uh,
3: and yeah. So the reason that goes back actually, Todd, to the reason that they called a the pretzel rides, because they would do these like tight little turns and twists because you didn't have a lot of space, but you could make the ride more exciting by having it, you know, make sharp lefts and sharp rights, and that would add to the fun and excitement of it. So, we'll take a—I'll take a little descriptive walk through the ride. I should say, I guess, a ride through the ride. It also let and, them keep uh, the
2: scenes very small and cheap.
3: Yes, actually, if yeah, you look not at not very deep at it's all. Really, it's funny. I, I go back and I look at this, and by today's standards, this this ride would be really inexpensive to make again. I mean, and there's there's really nothing uh there's nothing that would really stop anybody who had a decent enough budget to actually build like one app the exact same if not better quality <laughs> than what well, was there right and and it
2: really was a it harkened back to the original plywood land fantasy land rides from when Disneyland opened uh I mean at, yeah. at its core at its guts you know we books written on the history of Disneyland that those first iterations of dark rides there were really just painted
3: plywood scenes. Um, oh my God. And the characters looked horrible back yeah, then. If you've ever seen, yeah. Oh, the dare awful. So yeah, they were. And actually it's, you know, it's funny you mentioned plywood cause like the outside. Yeah, it is. It isn't like 98% of this ride is plywood except for a few figures, which were really nicely executed. Uh, And the, the, you know, even the outside. So I know we talked about this in the Mr. Toad episode, but uh, when you walked up to the, you know, the load area, the whole of the outside was all plywood. There was (laughs) nothing sculpted there at all. Um, And it used that kind of really interesting two and a half D technique where they would sort of make three-dimensional forms and then paint like rock textures on it. So a rock was sort of like this abstract rock with paint on it, uh, and then like the um the there were um topiary plants over on the left hand side that sort of defined where the, the witch's castle were. and they were literally just balls on sticks, and then they painted leaf textures, you know, on the balls. and that was good enough, you know, it looked reasonably like like a plant, but it wasn't like this very super detailed. Thing or a real plant, uh, and part of that might have been to survive, you know, outside in Florida. But it was just, it was economical. It looked fantastic. It was a great style. Got, so, the, got the job done. Um, yeah, got the
0: job done exactly. We should probably also mention too that the, the queue itself, the railings, just like what was in uh, Mister Toad's and um, also in Peter Pan, we're, we're so used to these railings now being themed like wood oh, yeah. or t- tied with leather at the, each corner. These were standard amusement park, uh, you know, stadium style, yeah. queue railings with a chain. Um, and I think the only two attractions that I can think of that still have this going is 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 um, uh, Peter Pan and the Grand Prix Raceway. I think are really the only two that have some of this original. Yeah, quite, of, like, yeah quite, possibly. quite possible. Two and a half inch pipe or whatever is right. an inch and a quarter, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, yep. So yeah, they were. This is that's on the cheap as well. So, um, but to, even though it was cheap, it
3: was, is really lovely. So the, the outside, when you would walk up, uh, straight ahead, you was straight ahead of you. Um, there was kind of like this wrap uh, woods, very picturesque again, sort of made with like these sort of half dimensional rocks. And then there would be like a tr- part of a tree stump that was just a painted plywood flat that was attached to the ground and like to the left of that there was like another piece of a tree that was done and then sort of in the back so it was almost like a multiplane camera with animation except built three-dimensionally or like a store display and then um uh, in the very back was like this little um this high waterfall and there were literally like strips of plastic hanging down from the waterfall and a fan behind it, and that would blow, and that would sort of give it the effect of a waterfall. Um, and then like a little three-dimensional, um, and not fully done, but again, this kind of like two and a half D sort of extruded wood dwarfs cottage. Um, and in fact, in to- if you go to Tokyo Disneyland, the setup outside is exactly the same as it was in uh, in Florida's version that we're talking about here. So it, it still exists today in Tokyo if you get a chance to go there. Um, but it's very simple, very beautiful. And you'd see that as you were, as you were riding, or as you were waiting to get online. Uh, and then as, as you would sit there, uh, you would see the cars coming out of the right hand side. And there was sort of a, an exit and it said seven dwarfs mine on top. And the, the cars would kind of bust out the door and come up in front of you. And then you would climb on. When the ride opened, the cars would hold four people. So there were two in the front and two in the back. Um, so they are pretty small. You'd get on, you'd go forward. There was the <clears throat> this sort of abstract version of Snow White's Wishing Well. And you'd kind of go around that in a circle. And then the castle where Snow White lived originally um, was sort of painted on a background on the left-hand side. And they had this neat little forced perspective thing with those ball trees that I was talking about where they would get smaller and smaller and smaller. So it looked like these stairs and these trees were kind of receding in the background that would lead you to the back of the castle. And then you would sort of sw- swing around and then see a different angle on the dwarf's cottage. And then as you turned to go into the ride, this, this was one of the neatest parts and definitely super creepy. Um, there was a window above the door that you would bust through. And every so often, before you would go in, it's like the the par- the window, the curtains would part and the evil queen would look down out of the windows and look at you. Uh, this effect debuted in Florida. It was later picked up and taken to Disneyland. And it's actually outside of the attraction uh, in the Disneyland version now. Uh, but it's really neat, really effective. Uh, and just, just the windows open and closing with the static tiny figure of the queen behind it. So, uh, you'd go in, and the first thing that you would see is <clears throat> a mirror on the wall directly in front of you. So part of this was is that misdirection uh, that we we're talking about um, that these early rides would do, and <clears throat> and it's literally like a painted <laughs> a painted background wall of like stone with some painted curtains in front of it, and then this mirror which has like a big painted frame, but in the middle of it was an actual mirror and it would reflect what was on the opposite side of the room. <clears throat> so you would sort of get this glimpse of what you were going to see and then you would make a quick turn and then you would see which uh, I'm sorry, you would see the queen standing in front of like a big mirror with her throne on the side. And what you saw as what you could see f- into the mirror was the reflection of the evil queen. <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. And <clears throat> and then yeah, and it just it just looked like she was standing in front of the mirror. And then the figure would suddenly spin around and then it was the like the transformed queen. So it was basically giving you this like thing of the transformation when she turns into the old bigger woman. So she would she would just spin around really fast and laugh at you. And then you would bust out of the door and go into uh, sort of a dungeon area. So, um, and it was literally like real skeletons, or yeah, they were like Pirates of the Caribbean style, sort of <laughs> real skeletons in cells. One of them had a cup. And again, the the um, the floors and and walls and stuff in this area are built out of plywood at various levels, so it's kind of, like, off-kilter and interesting. You would go by some light-up rat eyes, and then you would see a second skeleton, and one of the skeletons had, like, a moving jaw, and it would say, like, go back! So it was trying to warn,
0: warn you to leave. How many attractions have, like, fake little eyes in them? That's always... that's a yeah. That's a big, you know? A lot of them do.
3: Those eyes originally supposedly came from Pirates of the Caribbean in california oh they used them there and then they also used them in big thunder mountain (laughs) for like bat's eyes later on so yeah yeah. so so yes it was a very great i mean it's a great little spooky little trick so yeah again very cheap for just 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 some lights (laughs) super simple um so you'd go past these two skeletons and then um you would see uh the raven That was her pet kind of like sitting on top of a skull amongst some uh, like magic formula type things. So you'd be like, oh, something's going on. Something's about to happen. And then you'd the car take a quick turn and you would see the witch uh, at the cauldron, like holding the apple with like the poison thing on it. And if that wasn't obvious enough for you, because maybe you hadn't seen the movie Like the page with the recipe for the poison apple was actually turned out to the car and you could see like poison apple in big letters. (laughs) So, so you knew what she was doing and because you're supposed to be kind of snow white or at least feeling like snow white, it it is at this point where, uh, she makes it obvious that she's out to get you. (laughs) And this is one of the things that I think people are kind of, like, uh, not so happy about. Or maybe this is the stuff that, that makes them uh, think that the, I don't know, that it was scary or whatever. Um, one of the things that is kind of interesting is they actually painted, it's a very dark in this area, but they actually painted the shadows of, like, the raven and queen on the wall and then behind them. And so they sort of give this, like, enhanced lighting effect even though they didn't have like fancy lights in there, which is kind of fascinating. Oh,
0: and this was all done with black lights. So this was a, I was going to say, yeah, there's, there's a lot of black light usage. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah.
3: And then, um, I, I have some, some photos that I took, uh, that I'm looking at now with the, uh, with flash. So it's like one of the, col- one of the things says black of night. So I assume that was one of the ingredients. And I see there's another, uh, sort of like thing that has scream of fright written on it. So that must've been part of the, part of the formula that she needed to make her stuff. So she's got the poison apple. uh, And then classic, classic dark, ride, Dark ride gag. It's like you go past a shelf with some bottles and stuff on it. And like the shelf does the fake collapse down into another shelf, which does the fake collapse. So there's the thing of like, Oh, this stuff is going to spill on me. Uh, and if you've ever ridden the cat in the hat ride at universal, you know that they still use that gag in the kitchen for things. So that is, uh, I guess an old tried and true one. So you now come out of her, her dungeon and you're outside and it's nighttime and you see this kind of like a, like a bridge. So you're on the water and then suddenly the, the queen, the, the witch comes like whipping out of the side in this boat. Holding an apple. And I think that's the point where she's like, Have an apple, dearie? So she,
0: she's. I like, remember she, my mom telling me, Oh, she swings down, and says, You know, do you want an apple? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's scary. So, exactly. That's what you just going to do. You don't have to take it. <laughs> I don't want an apple. It's too healthy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah the, if you guys remember when we talked to RJ Ogren he, in his book, let me find together in the dream. Um, there's a great story in there about the apple as that that's an item that a lot of people reached out and grabbed uh, and were successful in ripping it off and And quite a few times it, it was ripped off or broken and it got to the point I, I think the if, if I remember correctly guys they kept trying to figure out how to glue it on better and then it, it got to like the fingers breaking off and the arm breaking off and yeah, that was uh pretty close and you could easily reach out and grab it. So that's a, it's a good story, a good read. Um, I don't have it in front of me, but certainly pick up, uh, pick up that story and take a look at it. But together in the dream by RJ Ogren.
3: Yeah, that's, that's actually funny. And I guess it is close enough there that you could probably get your, get your hands on as you went by. So she swings out from there. And then I guess this probably must've been something that was in the film, but gosh, it's been so long since I've seen it. They had these, they had these alligators, that were really supposed to be logs, but they're kind of painted like alligators too. They have like, they have teeth and they have like red, but this is part of that hallucination of like, I'm so scared now that I'm seeing things that aren't really there. So these, these alligators open, open and close their mouths and one of them lunges out at you. So you go past these gators and then you go into like the scary trees. And I, I read online that like some of the trees would kind of like lunge at you or turn at your car i'm not saying that they didn't do that i'm just saying like with the car moving and everything i never perceived that once in all the times that i rode and and it just it's so dark in there that i just maybe never noticed that and it it could have been going on but supposedly some of them turned some of them would kind of like lunge out at you and you know it's that whole thing with like you know the tree trunks and they have faces and they The branches become hands, so it's supposed to be really scary. And then just past that, if you think about the Haunted Mansion, and if you think of the the organ, and up on top of the organ where the pipes are, there's that thing where the skulls come out, and it's kind of on the rotating thing. So they come out into view and then go away. They had a very similar type of thing in that area. Instead of the skulls, they had um these eyes that were kind of at the end of sticks with black light paint on it and this is a direct lift from the snow white film and the eyes would kind of like rotate up uh to i guess scare you <laughs> uh and they were kind of i don't know sort of like eyes sort of like bats um so you go past that and then finally you would see the cottage up ahead <laughs> snow white's cottage you're like oh finally some reprieve uh But no. (laughs) And this is really weird. So, you know, the cottage was actually looked very inviting from the outside, you know, looked nighttime, like there were some lights on inside. But again, I think this is the same sort of concept as where she's scared when she finds the cottage. So you go into the cottage and it's like a little scene from, uh, from the film inside. So the, um... The sink with all the dishes is on the right-hand side, and then their table with chairs and the whatnot is sort of directly in front of you. Really interesting is that there are these, uh, like, and I don't know if this is the when was the last time you saw the movie? I haven't seen it in forever, but <clears throat> but a long time. <clears throat> I guess there's animals carved into the into sort of like the support beams and the chairs and things. So like the these animals in the chairs and like there's a teapot that have faces and they all look like they're afraid and scared. So they have big eyes and they're all kind of going like, oh, so you're you're getting to this room. You're <laughs> supposedly in the safety of the Dwarf's Cottage, but you you see these inanimate objects that seem to be alive. So I guess you're sort of continuing that weird fantasy from the outside. So we take another quick turn. And then you see uh, <clears throat> these animals, like looking in an open window. There's like a fawn, and a raccoon, and a rabbit, and a little squirrel, and they also look scared. So something is going. Something is going on in the dwarfs' cottage. And then you make a quick right, <clears throat> and then you get into this room uh, where you actually see. For the first time, like full figures of the dwarfs, and they're climbing a staircase that's on the left side of the room that you're facing. And uh, <clears throat> like Doc is in front and he's holding a lantern. Dopey has a candle. He's at the bottom and he's trying to run away, but someone's holding on to him, so he can't get away because that's funny. <coughs> and then, sort of up at the top of the staircase, is this weird kind of like shadow demon type thing, which isn't in the movie at all. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. And I, th- and I think there's some dialogue in there about them seeing that there's a ghost and they're investigating it. And this kind of draws your eye away. And then as you come out of that scene, there's like a half door. Uh, you know, those things where like the door was in the top and then the, I don't know how to describe it. It's like one of those doors that was split in the center. <clears throat> and the top of it is open. The bottom is closed. And as you're going by, the witch pops out to offer you an apple yet again. Like there's, there's that damn no, damn witch out of no. nowhere. You come out of the door there. There's uh, two vultures up in a tree. And the witch pops out from behind the tree with the apple again to like try to get you. So you're out in the woods, and you've seen the vultures, and the witches menaced you again. So then, you then as you turn, you see the Seven Dwarfs mine. Because I guess for some reason we need to we need to amp things up. So um, the mine is another part of the film, although it's, it doesn't really have a big sequence or purpose of the plot. It's just in there. So you you see the mine, and uh, there's a little force perspective thing where the mine seems to be going on forever and it's really just the parts are getting a little smaller but again that's a classic funhouse gag. So that was directly lifted from funhouses and and brought into here. Um you take a turn again and the damn witch shows up again except instead of this time having an apple, she's actually up against one of the beams and she I always thought she said, "Enjoying the ride?" But apparently she might have been saying something else. <clears throat> which i think it's weird that she would rec it's very meta that she would recognize the fact that you're on a ride <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah. like breaking the fourth wall but here. She, <laughs> i supposedly i was on a site that said she said something else entirely but it's to me i i
1: it's like the graces or braces here is that <laughs> the uh,
3: i for I, I always only heard enjoying the ride so i have not sure but she pushes the top beam and it does this kind of gag where that top beam then hits another beam, which pushes the second one down. And there's sort of a domino effect down the room. So where it looks like the mine is going to collapse on you because at this point, she just wants to kill you. Uh, <clears throat> you get through that. You wind through this and you come around a corner and there's sort of like a side chamber to the mine. And then this mine cart comes <laughs> around the corner and sort of stopped abruptly, again, in a classic funhouse gag of like, oh, something's going to hit you. Um, and I think Randy talked about the somehow how he plused up the the minecart too here. I can't remember what the details were, but uh, the gems were actually lit from underneath, which was kind of interesting. So it was actually like a transparent top that was painted and it was lit from underneath it to make it look more fancier and gem-like, I guess. Um but also probably to give some some light to it so that way you notice the thing was coming around the corner. <clears throat> so you would uh, get through that section. So you come around the corner there and now you're inside of the main vault and <clears throat> there's just like rocks and gems painted on all the walls. You see the door at the end that says vault written on it. And then on top of the door is the witch with like a stick and she's Got this. There's this huge green emerald on top and she's like pushing the emerald down to like try to drop it on your head. And I think she says something. Well, I'm trying to remember. Is it like goodbye, dearie? And she basically drops the thing on your head. The door in there opens up and there's kind of like these explosion cutouts and a strobe light and the sound of like stuff crashing on you. And basically, it's it, it ends kind of like Mr. Toad where like you've died. <laughs> so she she has finally managed to eliminate you.
0: So I, I've got to add in here, hold on, Birnbaum has a great uh, line on, on explaining, you know how that last scene went. At the end, the hag dumps a rock on the passengers, and the stars you see are some of the most amazing effects. I love how he calls it a hag. Yeah,
3: I'm surprised he called it like one of the most amazing effects. Cause...
0: Yeah, exactly. In the ride, though. He yeah. didn't say all over. Oh,
3: I forgot to mention that while you're in the... Uh, and this is a little detail that I think a lot of people... In one of the scenes in the mine, there's like a painting of an open door with like powder kegs of TNT in it. So <clears throat> apparently that's... Part of the thing too. Oh, crazy! I have to. I will scan all these pictures and get them up so people can see this because this stuff has been <clears throat> is long overdue of, of getting out into the world. But that was that was it. It was. I mean, I don't know how scary it was, but like it was definitely weird. Um, there was not a lot of music. JT actually in the thing. There was a little bit of dialogue from the witch. There were some ambient sounds in some locations, but it was really. Very bare bones, you know, it was the type of thing where like your car would run over something and it would trigger the sound. So it was not very, yeah, it was not very sophisticated. So like, yeah, so you would hit like, like I said, you would hit a thing and the skeletons would tell you to go back. It's like you might hit something and the witch would say something to you as she popped out to be scary. But it was not a very rich ride, you know, like they would make today. Um, So... That takes us to the uh, the ride ran exactly like it is uh, from 1971 until 1994. And they closed it in October of 1994, uh, put up, you know, construction walls and uh, put this big sign up on front of the wall that said, <clears throat> Mirror Mirror on the Wall, Who's Got the Newest Show of All? <laughs> Snow White's Adventures, opening December 1994. And they basically took a rendering of what the queue was going to look like and used it as the background for that. Um, So really what this was the opportunity for them to do was kind of make it a little less scary. Um, You know, they'd gone through several iterations of the ride. uh, When they redid Fantasyland at Disneyland in 82, they redid it. um, You know, they had an opportunity to build it in 83 at Tokyo Disneyland. And then when they did, uh, Euro Disney in 1992. Uh, you know, they took another fresh look at it and, and made some changes. So <clears throat> I think during that time period, you know, this, this is when they were contemplating and closing 20,000 leagues under the sea, uh, thinking about changing out Mr. Toad. So I think there was kind of this effort underway just to generally kind of refresh some of the older rides. Cause as Brian has talked about many times, You know, there is this time period before something becomes a classic where it's just kind of considered old and unwanted. So this was an opportunity to, you know, spend a little bit of money to do some upgrades to an existing ride rather than build something new. Um, But they also did change the cars from a, a car with a capacity of four to a car of a capacity of six. So they were able to, you know... This was still a very popular ride. So, just as they did with Toad, it's like they were trying to increase capacity, you know, in a very small sea ticket ride to just try to get as many people on it as they could. But while they were doing that, they made some fundamental changes to the attraction. Um, And this is probably the version that most of us remember best now because, uh, like, the transformation scene with the Queen is still really good. Um, they did change, completely change the the front of the attraction. So all of the stuff that we had talked about like was all gone. Um, there was mostly just like a big painted scene in the background. Um, <clears throat> on the side where you go to enter the attraction, You Snow White was actually sitting on stairs for the first time. So they had a sculpted figure of Snow White holding some birds while she's doing her cleaning. The queen still kind of Scowls at her from up in the window. <clears throat> you come in. Uh, <clears throat> you see the magic mirror on the left. like, And it looks actually looks for the first time like the magic mirror from the movie. <clears throat> it has the Zodiac stuff around it. It's, it's more realistic. <clears throat> the queen does her changing act. Um, a little bit better than it did before. <clears throat> Much fancier. Um, you go into a room... with the skeleton one of the skeletons is still there but the whole setup of her in front of the cauldron is redone uh and the painting overall and and the detail is much much i don't know it's just more detailed it's yeah where the old paintings are more abstract it's like this is i guess it's just more in style of what they would do in the 1990s and maybe a little bit more like the movie rather than just going off and doing their own thing <clears throat> but the, you know, the queen still has the poison apple. Um, the section that uh, you see the huntsman, they're trying to introduce more of the Snow White story in it. So there's a point where you see like a painted picture of of the huntsman, and there's some audio telling you, you know, to run away. <clears throat> um, I'm just flipping through some of some of the photos here. Oh, so uh, what you were thinking of before? with the uh with the band or sorry with the them in there playing the music so when you get to the dwarfs cottage now they actually brought the figures from mickey mouse review from tokyo and installed them in the snow white ride here so that's where those came from so the figures of the the dwarfs playing music and with dopey up on the uh up on the shoulders of one of the dwarfs that was that was actually mickey mouse review stuff that they brought back um yeah that's so it's, cool. it's so it is kind of neat because that other attraction then sort of got put into this attraction um <clears throat> it's weird they left the stair so that turnaround is where the table and the like wash basin used to be you come around the corner and now there's not really anything on the stairs so it was weird because you they left the stairs there but there really wasn't anything to look at <laughs> look at in that spot Um, and then down at the end of that, of that room where the witch would pop out, there were then static figures of like Snow White receiving the apple from the witch. And then when you came out of that room, you still had the vultures there, but, and there was still like a witch there, but the background was painted much more realistically. It was a little bit more bright. The trees were still painted flats, but just, it looked much more cinematic, um, and then when you got to the instead of going th- to the vault, um, it was actually the witch like up on a rocky precipice with a large rock, which is how it worked in the film. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's what they did in Disneyland too. So you actually see the witch like trying to <clears throat> knock the rock down on you and uh, she gets struck by lightning. and there's a little lighting effect behind her where you can see like the lightning strike. Uh, and then, for the first time, they, they added another scene. So the reason that the queue kind of changed is they took the space where the waterfall and the cottage were and extended it right into that area. And they made a little tableau of the prince kissing Snow White on the, like, little death thing. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. I'm sure there's a nicer word than that. The coroner's that, table? The glass. Yeah, the glass the beer the, <coughs> the beer, the beer, the beer, ER? the glass, the the glasses, the glasses yeah. off the coffin, but she's sitting up on the thing. So you see the love's first kiss scene.
0: It is a beer. And a then b- there B I E R. Yes. A beer. Yeah. All right. Let's have a beer. Good job. I'm here. <laughs> here for That's the beer I'm here, folks. And then, uh,
3: when you come off from of that scene, there were two dwarfs like dimensional, uh, and, I think Foxy Hoop said it was. They reminded her more of like things that were used for displays in stores <laughs> than like sculpted figures used for other things. They're kind of in, in this wooded glen. They're waving to a, a painting of Prince Charming and Snow White on a uh, on a rocky road that's kind sort of like heading off to her castle. And there was a dopey, like a figural dopey, like up on a thing saying goodbye to you, and and that was the end. So it turned it turned into like. Kind of a nicer, gentler, kinder version of the snow yeah. ride, and that that existed until two thousand and twelve because um, Disney had an idea that they were going to expand new Fantasyland. it it actually was originally supposed to still be there um, they came up with the idea to do f- new fantasy land uh they knew they were going to do a little mermaid ride they knew you know they were uh, they were going to do be our Guest. there but instead of the seven dwarfs mine train ride they had planned to do uh meet and greets with like little cottages so each of the princesses would have their own little cottage and like tinkerbell and her fairy friends would have like a tree where you would go mm-hmm. and meet them and uh there's early renderings where you can actually see all of that and then universal opened up a little thing down the street called harry potter and disney freaked out <laughs> <laughs> because someone was actually spending money to make really great, nice environments, uh, <clears throat> and I, I think the general fe- there was apparently a general feeling in someone in management that there was too much emphasis on girls uh, with all the meet and greets that were being built, and they were spending a tremendous amount of money and really not getting you know as much mix as they needed to, and then a rather hasty decision was made to put a seven dwarfs mine train roller coaster in the space where all those meet and greets were going to be and they still wanted to do the meet and greets and sort of then a swap was made so in so they decided since we're going to build a seven dwarfs themed roller coaster we will get rid of the old snow white ride and that was the trade so the princesses are where the snow white ride is and now we have uh, a snow white themed roller coaster as you said todd there are a couple figures from the Snow White ride that actually made it over to uh, the roller coaster. So the two vultures that were inside are now outside as part of the roller coaster. And then at the end, when you go to, when you see Snow White's cottage and the dwarves are inside playing music, like those are figures that are reused uh, from the ride as well. So a little piece of it lives on in the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train ride now.
0: And I'm just doing a comparison here on, on Google Maps of actual ride buildings, squ- approximate square footage. And um, it, it's interesting that, you know, Mr. Toad was obviously a bit bigger. You know, these are just rough, but looking at about 18,000 square feet. So Peter Pan and um, Snow White were both about the same at about 13,000 square feet. Um, so that's not a lot of not a lot of spaces that we were talking about either. I mean, the ride was under two. Yeah. Minutes. Start, start to finish it was a for, very co- quick for ride. comparison yeah you know just to give you an idea small world forty four thousand square feet so that that is a big building. Yeah, it's a big so building. you know just gives you kind of sense of the of the scale that we're talking about here
2: a couple of comments on the closing first uh, Hal mentioned at the outset that there are some deep dives that we're gonna put links to in the show notes there is also a lot of photography and videography that captured the ride in its final state and part of the reason for that is that it's the first classic attraction that was scheduled to close like publicly everybody knew it was going to close after the advent of like HD camcorders and stuff that people own that worked well in low light situations and I think in the wake of Mr. Toad and some of the stuff that closed earlier in the 2000s that there was more of a a conscientious effort on the part of uh, this community. In fact, I'd almost go so far as to say that the community, I don't want to say didn't exist at the time of Mr. Toad, but didn't have a sense of purpose like it does now. Does that not sound Yeah. I don't
3: want to sound too no, pretentious. No, I'd, I'd say but. that's true. I, there was, I mean, at the time when Toad closed, I mean, there were literally a handful of people that were enthusiast, real hardcore enthusiasts of. Well,. I, I also think that there was a, a mistaken
2: belief amongst a lot of the fans like, oh, well, Disney just takes like literally everything in the building and puts it in a warehouse somewhere <laughs> for storage. And I think over the course of the 2000s, seeing like bits of Mr. Toad at Theme Park Connection and on eBay, and so like people started to suddenly realize that only like really certain pieces yeah. are are saved and stored and the rest of it is either sold off or destroyed. These attractions
0: uh, are not coming back folks. I hate to tell you. <laughs>
2: right, right. So, so I, I think that's, that's probably part of that. But the, uh, the, the one story that bears mentioning, uh, as we talk about the closing, because it was widely covered at the time, uh, is the story of Ben Miles, no relation. And as far as I know, no relation to our friend Reese Miles in Florida either uh but uh, Ben Miles is an autistic uh, child who, uh, a very short version of the long story because his father wrote an entire book about uh, about the, uh, the this, this this youngster's experience. But uh, he was born autistic, uh, didn't talk, uh, and didn't really show joy, uh, but his, at nine years old, his, Family took him to his parents, brought him to Disney World. And from the time he entered the park, he was like a different kid. And the first ride that he ever uh, went on was Snow White. And he developed uh, such an attachment to it. Eventually, they moved to Orlando from the west coast where they lived. And in order to bring him to the park more often. And at the time that uh, Snow White was scheduled to close, it was his favorite ride. He had ridden it uh, somewhere near 3,500 times, which is a lot of time, uh, but thank God it's not Small World because this was only a two-minute ride. So it's not nearly it's not nearly as much of a commitment as maybe that one would have been. But uh, Disney cast members had gotten to know him uh, and his family because of his many rides, and he... Uh, he was there on the last day. They allowed him uh, to well, actually a couple of things. When, when he had his 2000th ride, uh, they arranged for him to meet Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He got a kiss from Snow White. Uh, but approaching the last night, he was under 3,500 rides. So they allowed him to be the last rider and allowed him to go through several times so that he could hit 3,500 total times that he rode it. Uh, and they chronicled it and they even let him go through by himself. And there's a story in there about his father asking the cast member, uh, you know, is there like a security guard watching on the camera monitors the whole way? And she said, Nope, there's no cameras in there at all. Just intrusion mats all over the place. So, but don't worry. The, the bar will keep him in place. He won't get out of his car. Uh, so he got to ride through it a bunch of times on the last night and they let him have the last ride. And uh, he continues to visit the parks, uh, uh, but nobody has asked him what he thinks of Mind Train. Uh, nice story. It is. And there is a book out. Uh, oh, I yeah. want right. to actually see if I can pull it up so that uh, it is called 3,500 An Autistic Boys, uh, 10-Year Romance with Snow White. And uh, we'll post a link to that on, uh, on the show notes to, to Amazon where you can pick up a copy. It's 10 bucks. Well, so. Brian,
0: Howe and JT, thank you very much for the research and comments on this month. Uh, let's uh, do a little bit of plugging of our own here for uh, how you you came up with a new shirt out of the out of the blue. Well, we kind of discussed it, and then you surprised us all of a sudden. That's right, Bam! Hey, <laughs> Bam! So, uh, Jingle Bell, Jingle <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Well, i tell the listeners a little bit about what you came up so
3: with. So we, you know, we, we started, it's been a little while since we've done these, but I, I really liked, you know, when we were doing the nabby grabber and the some of our sort of almost Main Street-esque, like, window uh, designs. Uh, right. You know, we did the Blair's Goat Farm, uh, based on your idea, which was fantastic. Uh, the Blair's Five Legged Goat Farm, it's like, that it was such a nice, so great, let's figure, let's do another one of those. And I, yeah. I was thinking about our episode with... Uh, about river country <laughs> mm-hmm. and fred Yoger, who had done you know all the rocks for that and big thunder mountain so uh we have a fred Yoger's rockworks uh t-shirt now available and also it's bags and all kinds of other stuff uh since 1953 because that's when he was uh hired by walt to start working on disneyland and uh i couldn't resist going for the bad jungle cruise pun and it says uh you'll on the, on the bottom of it.
2: <laughs> and if you recall, we interviewed uh, Jim Sarno a few months back, and he told us how Fred Yerger and Harriet
0: Burns used to exchange dirty birthday cards. So... Well, thanks, Helen. As everybody can uh, check out, our if you head over to retrowdw.com forward slash support us, it will take you right over to our page where you can purchase the designs on T-shirts, cell phone covers, tapestries, pillows, stickers, you name it. And uh, I also wanted to give everybody a heads up on some new films as well as lots of new photos and slides. Um, we've, As you're listening to this, we recently did a, a quite a... Big upgrade, actually, in the back end of the web server, uh, so it should be faster now. So we, we had a brief hiatus there of, uh, of uploading photos and getting them ready as we, as we did this upgrade, um, but the new gallery software is ready to go. Uh, we're utilizing it. We've got quite a number of slides from Brian that he's been scanning, a, a new section called Found Photos. Uh, which are ones that we stumble across or purchase on uh eBay. We also have a number of different um albums that uh some of you as listeners have submitted to us for to share with you. So we'll get those all up there. Uh and there's some fanta- fantastic wonderful slides coming from you know uh, Brian, I'm thinking of one that you sh- shared with us yesterday just kind of looked like an internal person taking some pictures around of you know insides of, of buildings that you just never see. They're very very rare photos.
2: It uh We like to give a backstory to these slide sets sometimes when we come across them and they're abnormal. Uh, So Todd and I, looking at this one, have decided that this was some kind of either food industry professional or Disney employee uh, or uh, a competitor doing some kind of food service reconnaissance mission. All of the photos are of. You know, menu boards and checkout stands and buffet, cat well, buffeteria lines. And we got our first real good look at what one of those buffeterias was looked like back in the 70s and 80s with a, you know, you literally walked <laughs> along and said, I'll take one of those and one of those. And at the end of the line was a cash register. Um, and she looked at what you had on your plate and rung you up and then you went and sat down. That was in the Crystal Palace we figured out. So. Uh, we're still identifying a few of the photos, but that article and set of photos will come out
3: shortly after this podcast. So, uh, stay tuned. Yeah. And I want to reiterate to everyone, all this stuff online, it's searchable. So if you're looking for a photo of something, like every, every now and then I'll get a request from me like, Hey, do you have a photo of this thing? And I immediately just go to the site and go into the search fields and, and search and see if there's something in our library. So it, use it it's a resource those photos are up there not just to look at but like search them find them we have all sorts of gems in there put in keywords you know we're constantly going in and trying to update that stuff and add more keywords and make sure you know some of the captains are wrong because we're literally we're going through thousands of photos here and this this this
2: quarter we're going to have one of our volunteers starting on the process of going through double checking them Retagging them, reassigning some of the ones that might be misfiled or, or could be filed better. Um, that's one of the historical society projects that's going to be done first. O- only 11,000 images to go through. So you, it's to be done in no time at all.
0: Yeah, it's exactly. So just it'll, it'll only take a couple days. Um, yeah, and it's quite a daunting task to go through all those. And uh, even just the incoming folder alone. Uh, these are random photos that we come across uh, that is that's in the neighborhood of over a thousand photos that just have to be looked at and decided where where they should live. So definitely a lot of work to do. But uh, as, as Hal pointed out, uh, just click on the little search icon, uh, the little magnifying glass and uh, go into the search galleries. Uh, and it's a great way to pick up that stuff. And as we said, we'll expand those tags and everything out um, so that it's even more searchable in, in the future. So, And again, thank you to everybody for all their continued support um, on the Historical Society, too. Uh, the maps have been great. We've got a lot of, a high number of you guys have uh, sent in your donations. We've sent out all the maps that, uh, as your gift, so keep those coming. And uh, don't forget, we have that map contest that we'll draw to a close uh, towards the end of February here. So uh, you can check go right to our website and check out the map contest link that's on the home page. Alrighty, and with that, guys, I think it's about time we, we wrapped it up. Um, next month, I, we haven't decided the topic yet, but I, yeah, we'll we'll figure out a good place to go. Any any hints or any ideas well, where you guys want to go? We've
2: got a couple suggestions from folks. One guy wants to hear about the Mickey Mouse review, which is another one of those attractions mm-hmm. that people a lot of people have not experienced because it went bye bye before a
0: lot of our listeners were born. I think how might be the only one of us who has experienced it.
3: Jeez, that's scary. But yes, I did <laughs> I did actually see it at least a couple of times.
0: You are a wee little mite, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: So
2: that,
0: so that's coming soon.
2: Uh, and uh, we've talked about heading back to MGM Studios, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year yep. and, and revisiting some of the attractions uh, that were in MGM's past. And we got a couple of... Terrific sets of slides from uh, 1992 and 1993 that I just scanned today from the Disney MGM studios. So um, lots of good stuff coming. Uh, I need to send out a thank you to one of our listeners in South Florida, Andrew Toffoli. Andrew is a children's illustrator book author, and he has created a series of books uh, based on historical figures portrayed as animals. So he contacted me a few months ago, said, I want to send you a copy that should be near and dear to a Philadelphian's heart. And he sent me the children's book autographed of of ti- uh, Franklin, Bangle-man who is a Bengalese tiger. Okay. Uh, who is Benjamin Franklin. And he's got like.
1: Oh, man. Yes, he's got fun. like
2: t- Tom Moose <laughs> Jefferson, who's a moose etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm actually gonna be in south florida in a couple of weeks uh taking a roundabout route before i rendezvous with Hal for our traditional super bowl weekend uh, meetup uh, where neither <laughs> one of us watches the football game uh but uh but uh i'm, I'm actually gonna reach out to andrew and see if we can uh, get get together for a quick say hey uh, because it's a really cool thing so we'll put a link to his website and his books on on the thing too he's been, he's been writing to us uh, since our very first episode I remember getting emails from him our first year so uh, it's nice to have
0: talented fans out there absolutely thank you very much all right with that guys thank you for your time as always thank you to all of our listeners if you can give us a shout out or a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us We thank you very much, and we'll be back next month. And with that, Brian, take us out.
2: Follow the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society on Twitter and Instagram at LBV History and on the web at lbvhistory.org. Follow Todd McCartney and RetroWDW on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at RetroWDW. For all things Retro Disney World, including exclusive merchandise, visit us on the web at RetroWDW.com. On Twitter, follow our web designer, Jason Bartell of Deepwater Studios, at Jason DWS. Our announcer, Andre Gardner, at Andre Gardner, and follow our hosts, Hal Bowers, on Twitter and Instagram, at GoAwayGreen, and on the web at KingdomOfMemories.com. For JT Couser on Twitter, at LS1JT, on YouTube at Rubber City Motoring, and on the web at RubberCityMotoring.com. And you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Brian P. Miles. Retro Disney World is the monthly podcast of the Lake Buena Vista Historical Society, a non-profit, tax tax-exempt, 501c3 organization, and is not affiliated in any way with the Walt Disney Corporation or any of its subsidiary or affiliated entities. Bye!